Welcome to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. My name is Jeremy Wiseman. I'm joined by Jerry Karaya, and we're going to be talking about real money, hard assets that perform, that stand the test of time. That's right. We're talking about gold and silver, and we'll get into some colored diamonds as well. Today, Jerry, I think we're going to talk a bigger picture, bigger global macro picture of what's happening in the gold market. But to do that, I want to lead in with something you just mentioned before we got on the show, which is this bill put forth in Missouri about uh, going back to gold as as money. I think they mean it as currency, but um, let, tell us about it. Yeah, so yesterday, a Missouri, the Missouri state passed a bill that would take some steps, a lot of steps in, in this legislative process of treating gold and silver as money instead of commodities. Um, to for the where they really sets the stage for the people to undermine the Federal Reserve's monopoly on money. Um, so they talk about you know removing the state capital gains on tax on gold and silver. It also prohibits any public entity of the state from requiring payment in the form of any digital currency, including a central bank digital currency. Missouri could become the fourth state to recognize gold and silver as legal tender. Utah led the way reestablishing constitutional money in 2011. This bill was called Senate Bill 100, will also exempt the sale of gold and silver bullion from the state capital gains tax. And a bit of the background, because the United States Constitution states in Article 1, Section 10, that no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin a, a tender in payment of debts. Currently, all debts in, and taxes in South Carolina are either paid with Federal Reserve notes which were authorized as legal tender by Congress or with coins issued by the U.S. Treasury, but very few of which have gold or silver in them. The Federal Reserve destroys this constitutional monetary system by creating a monopoly based on its fiat, unbacked currency. Uh, they have a paper, actually, Mises Institute, uh, Austrian economics uh, legends. Uh, they have a constitutional tender expert, Professor William Green, said that when people in multitude states, multiple states rather, actually start using gold and silver instead of Federal Reserve notes, it would actually effectively nullify the Federal Reserve and end federal government's monopoly on money from the ground up. He wrote, over time, as residents of the state use both Federal Reserve notes and silver and gold coins, the fact that the coins hold their value more than Federal Reserve notes do will lead to a reverse Gresham's Law effect, where good money, gold and silver coins, will drive out the bad money, Federal Reserve notes. As this happens, a cascade of events be can begin to occur, including the flow of real wealth towards the state's treasury. An influx of banking business from outside of the state, as people in other states carry out their desire to bank with sound money, trusted money, and eventually outcry against and an eventual outcry against the use of Federal Reserve notes for any transaction. So the number. No. <laughs> this, yeah, that, that sums up this, this, uh, this segment here. But yeah. in, ultimately, this is a one step of the long process of re, you know, regaining control of the nation's money and starting from the ground up. And we're seeing some champions, champions bringing this into Senate. So it's moving along to the House for further votes. So we're watching this every step of the way. It has to start from the grassroots level, and it starts from, you know, our, from our clients like you were listening. So we appreciate you listening and, and getting started. See, it's not hard to understand it. It's not hard to understand how the difference between a currency and real money that holds its value and then 
instantly you have a paradigm shift and you look towards central banks and you realize, oh, they're pulling a fast one on us. Um, you know, you, you look to the allegory of, of the Wizard of Oz, click your heels three times, go to Congress and get them to reverse this. But it's great to see that they're doing that. It's And it touches upon the idea of what can happen if you go back to a gold standard. And this leads to the much bigger picture, which is you're seeing global moves every day that are clear indications that we're being led back to a gold standard. Take the sanctions on Russia, for instance. The U.S. put sanctions on Russia. They try to tank the ruble. They back their, their ruble with, with gold. And other countries start to look and say, well, if you're going to do that to them, you could do it to us. And so now you start seeing a de-dollarization effect. More and more countries are starting to not hold U.S. dollars. They're starting to come up with new trading partners and make new deals. And what's going to strengthen those deals? Now, here's the thing. Here's why a gold standard works so effectively in, in, in many respects. If you're trading with a country and that country decides to lower the value of its currency, they undermine the deal. Now, what if you can't undermine the deal by lowering your currency? What if it's all based on the value of the deal, the value of the goods and services that you're selling, the value of your product? Everything else is a, is a fair playing field. You start to realize, well, maybe it's not so cheap to have um, manufacturing in other countries. Maybe it actually makes more sense to do it mm -hmm. uh, more At locally home. and things like that. So you start to see a whole world of change. And then what other people don't realize is that if we're all if we're all on that standard, number one, we've talked about this on the show, the idea that you want to get rid of your debts. Okay, you're a central bank. Revalue gold. Revalue gold to a mighty level. There's there's always enough gold at the right price. You'll have enough gold to to, to pay off your debts, and and still have some assets in in the portfolio. That's number one. And the reason they don't do it now is because gold and silver are so undervalued they can't do it. Why would you do it? You're you're basically have the same fundamental problems that Nixon had. Well, let's close the window because there's quote unquote not enough gold. Even though if they revalued it to 850 right then and there in 1971, they probably could have paid off all the debts and been and carried along. But that's not why they wanted control of the central banks, mm -hmm. right? Obviously. Obviously. So that's one of the moves. You're seeing sanctions and then people, re countries realizing it could be us. Let's de-dollarize. Eventually, the U.S. is going to have to join the party and say, well, if we want to trade partners, too, it's going to be in our best interest to have a gold standard, too, mm -hmm. or a bimetallic standard, whatever they go back to. And I think all of this, and I could go on much longer, but I think all of this, Jerry, leads to this idea of the pendulum swinging. People have had enough of central banks. How much more income tax can you possibly pay? Mm -hmm. uh, how much more tax on top? All of these things. And then you see how the government just... You know, they just spend all the money. Yeah. They don't even want to go after Serb. It's not worth it. Come on. Like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think you need to bring value back into the system somehow. And I really, some of the moves I'm seeing clearly indicates we're going back. Do you see anything on your side that yeah. you're saying it's going to happen? Well, yeah, on a, on a macro scale, as we just take a bird's eye view and a macro scale, a bigger view of what's been going on last week, the... Uh, International Monetary Fund released a paper called Gold, a Barbarous Relic No More. 
and it was it really highlighted the reasons why central banks and countries have shored up reserves in, in gold in the first place. A lot had to do with financial assets, paper assets that get devalued over time as sanctions was primarily one of the greatest reasons for countries to diversify away from the U.S. dollar and away from the SWIFT system because you cannot control gold. Gold is a monetary asset that they all view in this with the same lens, that it can be trusted. And when these man-made central banks and the man-made currencies all come to an end, which they do, they all have a finite lifespan. For the U.S., the central bank, this is the third one that we've been on in, in the U.S., and it looks like it's going to be seeing some restructuring right before our eyes happening right now. Dick Swear talks a lot about that with the, with the U.S. Treasury and the U.S. Mint hoarding all the gold and silver over the last couple of years. For what? Why are you hoarding all of your silver for the U.S.? What, is the US what, what plans does the U.S. Treasury have in mind? This, this idea that the U.S. has to come on board as well with the BRICS. So the whole world is just moving towards this gold shift. Are we going to call it a gold standard? We can. Is it going to be the gold to the U.S. dollar peg or gold to the ruble currency peg or gold to resource peg? We've got to wait and see. Either, either way, it's a, very, it's a fantastic and exciting time to be around gold. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com there's definitely a movement towards valuing debt and valuing digital assets to valuing real things and it's nice to see that missouri is coming uh, coming to the table and with that understanding and it shows that at a grassroots level it's happening it's certainly happening at guildhall we talk to people every day they are waking up to the financial system and, and the wrongs of the system. And one of the ways to get out of it is to simply unsubscribe. You know, uh, we saw Disney as firing uh, 7,000 employees. So I guess they're going to have to readjust those, those numbers from last week, right? When they, when they had a, how many, what, hundreds of thousands of new jobs. But it, 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 in effect, it's, it's part of that get woke, go broke, if you don't like what you're seeing on Disney, you, you unsubscribe. If you don't like what you're seeing in a financial system, you unsubscribe. You, you get out of the system. There's always been a de facto gold standard. You've always had a choice to not, have, to not hold your wealth and the value of your earnings in a currency that's being devalued at a rapid rate. Mm -hmm. You've always had a choice yeah. not to do that. You can always say, okay, now you could chase yield. And in the past, that was a great idea. You could chase yield in the stock market, and when interest rates were low, and everyone could borrow money and and uh, you know make payouts or whatever it was, or not pay out on their debt or very low cost of, to pay on the debt. It made sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it makes sense anymore. I, I would say go ask your advisor if it makes sense and feel if that feel out if that is a a genuine answer that they provide or a disingenuous answer or maybe one that feels maybe not so in touch. I feel like if you've been in that market for years and nothing's gone wrong, could you lose touch? I don't know. So we see a lot of people getting into the gold market. Jerry, quickly, we've got a minute left. What about Canada? Are we, are we, are we storing gold? Are we getting gold? Or is it based on the people to do it? Yeah, the Bank of Canada, we had up until 2016, I think, three tons of gold left, which Trudeau decided to sell that off. So we have zero gold in the coffers here in the Bank of Canada. Um, backing the currency, it's a lot of U.S. Treasury, a lot of paper, and a lot of, fortunately for the Canadians, we have a lot of resources in the land. 
So despite us not having a reserve, physical reserve, we do have future halls out of the ground, um, you know, which, which I love. I love the idea that we can tap into that if necessary. And if the U.S. pivots towards gold, we can do the same thing for Canada as well. The number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. This is The Real Money Show on AM640. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Real Money Show. The number one eight seven seven eight silver and the website, guildhallwealth.com. In the last segment, we mentioned that uh, since Canada doesn't have any physical gold in its coffers, uh, we do have resources. And so one of those resources, could it be that they actually use private gold? We're going we're gonna to discuss that in just a second. But first, a few episodes ago on The Real Money Show, we talked about a brand new coin that we'd be receiving at Guildhall. Um, it is to help you enjoy the show it's uh, a coin produced by Pamp Swiss, and it's popcorn. It's a popcorn coin. Um, it's done by um, uh, a very uh, famous contemporary artist who follows in the kind of pop tradition, pop art tradition. So it's a popcorn coin. Um, we're going to be putting it out in our newsletter this week so you can take a look and see what it looks like. And I think it's going for something like $100, if I'm not mistaken. Around that. <clears throat> so uh, give us a call um, if you want to hand that out to some friends and family or just have one for yourself so that every time you, you see a domino fall, you can uh, in, take a look at your coin and carry it around with you. I am excited to have them. They look great. They come in a nice box, a nice package. So if you, if you want to, I'd say buy two. Buy one that you keep in the package for for the value and then one that you take out of the package and put into your wallet and it is a, a kind of a flat uh, piece as well the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website guildhallwealth.com this is also a great way to teach the kids about physical metal you know you put that in their hand and they start to understand what real money is i'm a big proponent of that yeah and you can do it in your and you can put it Another way to do it is to put it into their RESPs. Mm -hmm. You know, you put physical gold into an RESP. I mean, gold over the last 20 years and silver are up over 350%. If you've got 15-year time horizon, which is a bigger time horizon than most people conceptualize mm -hmm. for themselves, right. um, you know, you're putting yourself into a, you're putting your kid into a great position. Um, although I have to say, maybe you don't want to send them to a, a university by the time that's probably, happened. Probably um, we'll see how things, how things pan out in that, in that <laughs> regard. Um, okay. So Jerry, a lot of time when people are getting involved in physical precious metals for the first time, it's, it's a, they're taking responsibility for their own future and for their own wealth. They're, they're moving away from having their quote unquote funds managed to, again, having responsibility for their own assets. And also there's a realization that goes off that all of a sudden you're responsible for an asset, not just a, not just something fictitiously on a screen that might pay you a dividend or whatnot. And I always, and you know, you've seen it too, the mind goes to places and they start thinking about, well, what if the government confiscates it? And you contextualize it, you say, well, you know, it's a strong word. It's a word to describe what happened in the 30s. It's, but I think we often think of it as something that happened dur during the Second World War with Nazis going door to door kind of thing. But it, it's a lot more nuanced than that. And you brought an article that does a great job, I think, of bringing some new information to the table that we can kind of jump off and discuss why we both 
completely agree. It will not happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a topic that is a hot topic for many newer investors, new people coming on board into the gold market because they're now going down the rabbit hole, looking into what money is, what type of monetary system we have here globally and here in Canada, what's going on. The Bank of Canada is now talking about, uh, the federal government is talking about working on legislative changes that will allow the central bank to retain profits amidst losses. So a lot of drastic changes that are happening. So people are you know, as the world changes, they're starting to make changes with their own portfolio. Going into gold market, we realize, okay, th- this has a history. You're going through a history lesson. And one of the, you know, one of the occurrences that happened in the past was the United States 1933 Gold Confiscation Act, where they, the people, the, the citizens voluntarily s- sold their gold back to the Fed in exchange for the paper of the day. So a lot of Canadians are concerned, a lot of Americans are concerned, hey, this could potentially happen again. If there's a need, they're going to knock on my door and i got to bring back my gold. What am I going to do? This is my only asset that I have. Everything else is garbage. Um, I, I better stay away. I better be worried about a gold confiscation. I better, I better stay with nothing and be happy. <laughs> That's right. I better stay with my worthless assets and, and just um, you know be in paper. But you know we have to address the options and the various scenarios that could potentially play out back then they had to give me the face the the value of the gold so for us for us you're going to be giving me 2300 canadian for every gold ounce likely the government does not have enough money to pay us for all of their confiscation and their and their exchange for our gold i i love that because the the idea is you think about it you go well, Zimbabwe didn't start confiscating gold when they had hyperinflation. Weimar Germany didn't start confiscating gold when they had hyperinflation. Once you've hit that point, there's you can't offer people the money. They're not they're going to say no. So, what are you going to do? Go by force? You're going to go literally move into a fascist regime and go by force? I think at that point they've they've lost control. I don't see that happening. Now, the other alternative to your point is to say, "Okay, I'll give you I'll give you overvalue." But again, if the currency is worthless, no one's going to hand it over. That's right. And I also think that the people, people who actually own physical is a very, very small amount of people. That's right. Very small percentage. I think, you know, it's you got to have the perspective on on how many people actually own it versus mm, income tax, 40 percent. HST 13%. Let's put inflation up at 15%. Add all the taxes. And, you know, we're already robbing people of 60%, robbing them blind of 60% of their wealth, of their income. Um, that is that is confiscation, if I've ever... True if you If you want right. to know what confiscation is, everybody's debt slaves. We're just looking to, to undigitize the wealth and protect the value. Mm-hmm. And another scenario would be, you know, really and truly, if Canada really needed the gold... Um, you know, we are the fourth largest producer of gold in the world. We would very easily, in a matter of a couple days, nationalize one of our gold gold mines at a rate far quicker and more effectively than outlined in the other options above, whether it be going door to door to Canadians who generally have no gold in the first place. We love our stocks. We love our bonds. We love cash. We love real estate, REITs, paper, paper, paper. And less than 1% of the Canadian population owns gold. So to go door-to-door, very, um, it, it's very futile of a move to go after the gold in, in the people's personal possessions. 
very easy to go to do to go after the resources that are in the ground if and they allow people if they allow companies to mine freely without worrying about uh, carbon credits and etc. <laughs> oh, so you, so their their own environmental policies could prevent them from being able to fix the currency issue by trying to dig for gold. We'll see who will relent. Um, but one thing you could have is blocking of assets, right? Like you've seen this in in Greece, Portugal, other places where you can't pull out money, and you could stop redemptions, capital controls. These are things that certainly can be done by a government. They're, they've talked about it, where you could say, okay, you have an ETF, meh, can't, can't pull anything out of the ETF. Whether they cash you out with, with money, that with currency you don't want, or they just say no redemptions. These are, this, is, this is the issue with paper money and paper in quote unquote investments, where there's a counterparty versus actually owning the physical where you can just say, okay, well, just ship it to me then because I already own it. So people, for for instance, in, in the registered accounts with us, the client owns a specific product and it's in their own specific sub-account that is in their name. So it's not a pool account. It's not paper. They actually physically own that product. So if you wanted to pay withholding tax or if it's a TFSA, you don't have to worry about it and take delivery, right, if it comes to that. But that's still a very small amount of people mm. involved in the physical gold market where government is printing so much money. It is, they have created so much currency out of thin air. They don't even care if they've given it to people that, that weren't supposed to get it in the first place. That's right. Right. That tells you something about where this government's head is at. My takeaway from this article, by the way, is just the idea that once you've reached a point where inflation is so high and you're, you're heading towards hyperinflation, there's no confiscation to be had. They're, they're not in a position to be doing stuff like that. And it's never happened. Right. When, when the U.S. did it, they were nowhere near hyperinflation. Mm -hmm. Nowhere near it. Not, not even close. Now they have unleashed this, this, this stealth inflation that is just ravaging every portfolio. Um, the inflationary numbers have actually started to tick higher. You know, they did a number with the strategic oil reserves, the petroleum reserves, uh, selling off a lot of the reserves, uh, strategic oil in the states to bring the and energy prices down. You break down the inflationary numbers. That was the main ticker that went down, driving inflation down just in time. But it's starting to go back up. Just today, uh, Russia said they're going to slash uh, uh, crude oil production by 500,000 barrels, driving the price even further north. Um, inflation is not over, and we're going to see this continue. Next week is is Fed's inflationary data. Uh, come out as well. So keep an eye on inflationary data. This is going to continue. But the inflationary fight, the Fed cannot win because the amount of debt and the interest, every time they raise interest rates, the cost to service their interest exceeds their revenue. They're, actually, they're losing money. The Federal Reserve, the central banks around the world are trapped. Sounds like you're, you're predicting, uh, still predicting a pivot. Yeah. Uh, they're they're going to keep going until they break something. They're not just going to relent. Something's going to break. And this is the reason why, um, you know, to avoid breaking countries are, are avoiding sanctions with gold um, and Canadians uh, and investors, you know, having capital controls on your money is a form of sanctioning the people. Now, our bank accounts can be sanctioned. And if you want to sell too early or if, you know, you want to block redemptions, that is a form of sanctions against your own, your own portfolio. The counterparty is against you. 
and it's against your wealth, the saver and the middle class has been, has been squeezed. So as a result, people don't want to participate in that. They're moving away from the traditional 60-40 split stock bond portfolio that really got decimated in 2022. And with stagflation and inflation continuing, it'll continue. The portfolio of old has to change. And and we know that, that the FDIC um, doesn't have enough money to cover, that there's not enough cash in the system. So the insurance can't pay out. It's the same in Canada. I always, I always, I had, I thought in my mind the minute I saw those stickers show up on banks, I started to get worried. I was, I was like, "You never needed that before. You never needed to show me that it's insured." So don't, don't panic. Um, how, do, how else are you supposed to look at that? On the other side of things, Jerry. Uh, speaking of of, of breaks, and <laughs> there's a an, a great, great quick feed came out from uh, Dow Dow Gold equals one talking about silver's massive cup and handle formation that will blast blast it to above 50 but from 50 to $700 an ounce could you imagine yes. having a thousand ounces of silver that cost you $33,000 and all of a sudden in a, over the course of a few years it's worth $700,000 now that I mean, you're talking, you're talking being able to buy properties with that, right? We've talked, we've talked about this. Want to buy a house? Buy some silver, but seven hundred dollars an ounce. That's this is it. That's craziness, and yet it is an absolute possibility. And it's just a question of silver getting above some some resistance levels, and having a breakout. The physical market showing you it's ready to go. Yep. Everyone keeps buying physical. Yes. It's working. One it's ounce working. at a time. Keep buying. Keep buying because you're taking that physical out of the system. You're putting it into strong hands. The paper market can't control the market if they don't have physical in order to do that. And even though they need a, a minute amount, they lose the game when they don't have the chips on the table to, to work with. 100%. And as you see the BRIC nations, everything's surrounding and revolving around the BRIC nations. Why? It's not just because they have a printing press. No, they have resources to back up their moves. So he or she, listen, who has the gold, makes the rules. It pivots around the gold market. The gold market has the number one market cap globally. You will never get trapped. It's the most liquid form of money in the world. And today... Central banks are net buyers, not net sellers, and we should be doing the same thing. Give us a call. Follow the smart money, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. It's The Real Money Show on AM640. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. You've got home insurance. You've got car insurance. You've got life insurance. Here's a question for you, Jerry. Can diamonds really make for a good insurance policy? What about wealth insurance? Uh, there was an article put out um, by Jill Newman uh, recently. I think this is in uh, Style Magazine, or Je Jewelry Investment Guide. And it was published uh, just a, a few weeks ago. And it just talks about things like, uh, it's long been assumed that when times get tough, jewels are one of the few things that you can stealthily take with you. After all, a diamond can Hide in your pocket in a way a $100 million yacht most certainly cannot, as dozens of Russian oligarchs learned last year. Um, historical precedent in the early 20th century jewelry lore backed this assumption up. 
For example, the Tsar Nicholas II and his family were executed in the summer of 19. It was discovered that the young princess had so many diamonds sewn into her underwear, they were essentially bulletproof. <laughs> of, the, of the Romanovs who did make it out, there is a legendary saga of a grand duchess, Maria Pavlova, Pavlovna, who stashed her gems in a secret compartment in her St. Petersburg palace. Um, it's just kind of interesting how this article is going along here, uh, just talking about the idea of jewels being a form of uh, portable wealth and a way of being wealth, uh, wealth protection. And it goes on to say, but what about in the 21st century? Is it even possible for jewelry to slip under the radar anymore? The answer is complicated. Though there is no doubting the utility of keeping highly portable diamonds as insurance, just ask the anonymous buyers behind record-shattering sales. In October, an 11.15-carat pink diamond fetched $49.9 million at Sotheby's, six months after the house sold the largest blue diamond ever to appear at auction for more than $57 million. Both took place in Hong Kong. The fungibility of a $10 million diamond can be greater than that of a $10 million painting, which may not necessarily have a broad market, says Lee White Galvis, an art lawyer and art service consultant. While people can't really distinguish one 25-carat diamond from another, they will instantly recognize a Rembrandt, making it a lot harder to sell it discreetly. Even a high-profile stone can, can be slightly recut for a new identity, which is interesting because um, uh, Lawrence Graff took a famous, famous blue diamond um, that was owned by royalty, and he actually recut it and sold it and made more money out of it because he made it into a better diamond. So it's not always necessarily about providence that can, can add value. So I, I find that, that interesting. But jewelry is far more than just a hard asset, they go on to say. It's also a family heirloom, too. At what point, then, does the sentimental gem also become an inconspicuous, inconspicuous conspicuous way to pass on family wealth without leaving a paper trail? Expensive jewelry is, not, is often not declared in someone's estate, says a prominent New York retailer with firsthand knowledge. The heirs simply walk away with the assets on their fingers and wrists, more often than not, he adds, nobody knows that your mother left millions of dollars worth of jewelry stored in lingerie drawers and boxes around the house. Plus, when it comes to estate planning, many clients simply don't discuss their gems, according to Parker F. Taylor, who focuses on tax law, wealth management, and trusts and estate at the head of Hugh Hubbard's private client services group. It's a very personal asset class, and some don't want to share what they have, even with other family members, he says. So it's very interesting very that's interesting. basically saying, you know, hang on to those uh, vintage uh, Cartiers and your jewels because they're a great way to pass on assets. Uh, so if you're thinking of uh, passing on and creating generational wealth, this, one of the things about a natural fancy colored diamond is the privacy of it. Mm -hmm. And it's so small. Um, that that it makes for a great way to hand off wealth. Absolutely, beyond you know having it concentrated, it adds a diversification effect to one's portfolio. Being rare, as global market volatility is continuing, it remains very important for investors to reduce risks. Obviously, with a diversified portfolio, 
with a hard asset portfolio with precious metals and adding a Guildhall natural fancy color diamond. Cross asset correlations have nearly doubled over the past years. Diamonds continue to demonstrate almost no correlation with any other asset class. It's also a currency hedge like precious metals. Diamonds are always priced in the world's reserve currency, providing indirect exposure to the U.S. currency, plus providing a natural hedge against falling Canadian dollars, which will continue to weaken. Global economic landscape, Jeremy, is changing. We are definitely living in uncertain financial and political times unlike any the world has experienced before, and investors are becoming increasingly disillusioned with traditional investments such as property, stocks, and bonds. The flight to alternative and tangible hard assets that provide reliable returns and safety from market turmoil continue to grow. We're seeing growth in pink diamonds, growth in precious metals, and a portfolio diversified properly with quality hard assets is going to continue to be the moneymaker for 2023 and beyond. Jeremy? Yeah, actually, uh, the Fancy Color Research um, Foundation did put out their index recently and showed that in 2022, colored diamonds started to, to perk up that um, they averaged 3.9%. Uh, and then if you look at yellows, for instance, um, yellow diamonds went up, you're looking at 5.6%. If you were lucky enough to have an eight carat diamond, you, you moved up 9%. Uh, it seems like yellow diamonds, they, they say, with high visual grades and in certain shapes increased more than what is reflected in the index. Of course, pink diamonds continue to rise and overall the market is definitely starting to, to make its move. So what we do at, at Guildhall is we go out and we procure investment grade color diamonds. We're looking for the strongest color, the best clarities. Cut is not just a shape, it's about how well the diamond is cut. And we have uh, just a very few trusted partners that we've worked with over the years to help us procure this collection. And we put our money into it. We invested into it. And then we open that collection to the public. And they know that we've, we back that up. We've done the work into it. So now you can say, oh, I, I like pink or I like yellow. And also, you don't need to have $57 million to have an investment color diamond. You could have one for as much as for as low as 22,000. And by the way, you could have that in a ring. So, you know, speaking of Valentine's Day, and if you've, if you were late doing it, and now you think I need a really good gift, you can think about um, a natural fancy color diamond in a setting. And we've got some internally flawless fancy yellows in settings for under 25,000. I mean, you can't you can't go to your your local luxury store jewelry store and get anything near that quality. Um, without paying at least double what we offer. Why? Because we're a second-tier wholesaler. We don't have the, the branding. We don't have the retail locations that we have to, to cover. And so you're able to get great quality and great value at the same time. So go to the website, guildhallwealth.com. You can see some of the diamonds up there. There's even videos. You can go to our, our, our YouTube channel, Guildhall, uh, Guildhall Wealth on YouTube, and you can see some of the videos up there of some of the diamonds that we've had as well. Coming up, let's get back into the gold and silver. We're, all, we're talking about protecting people's wealth and growing their wealth, not just surviving these uncertain times, but thriving through these uncertain times. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. It's The Real Money Show on AM640. Welcome back to The Real Money Show, the number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. 
if you're looking to start your portfolio of having some physical precious metals, you can give us a call. You can go to our website, guildhallpreciousmetals.com. All of the products that we have at Guildhall are LBMA approved, London Bullion Market Association. It means that the refiners and mints are sourcing the material ethically, refining to the proper purity, fashioning to the proper weight, and can handle global business. And what that means is that your liquidity is assured. Yes, you can get cheaper product out there. You can buy cheaper gold and silver in places. The question is going to be is how liquid will it be down the road? Are you going to be able to sell it back quite easily? Or are you going to be left with the cottage industry of, well, I got a good deal on it, but now I have to go to, I don't know, uh, eBay or, or find a particular coin shop that's going to help me sell this. So if you stick with LBMA approved product, you're really assuring your liquidity down the road. And everyone comes to the party at their own pace. Some like to be early. Some like to be fashionably late. But when the fire alarm goes off, everyone's running for the exits at the same time. So you want to make sure, and this is something else, some, it's good to have a relationship. It's good to have a relationship with a, with a bullion dealer mm -hmm. um, for those type of uh, events as well, potentially, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we, we've helped some people out when they needed funds really quick and helped them liquidate their product fast and get the, get the cash in their hands. So that, that's an important part of LBMA. The other thing about being LBMA is that it makes it RSP eligible. So all of the products that are held in a registered account are LBMA approved and therefore the liquidity is, is there. So you don't have to worry if you're buying Royal Canadian Mint or Pamp Swiss, Agora Horaeus, uh, Rand from South Africa, or Perth Mint Gold. It doesn't matter. It's all the same. You could have five different products in your account, and when it go, it comes time, you say, "I got to sell off twenty variety, twenty one ounce gold bars of variety, and I've got twenty different brands." We put on we put on the sales transaction. Twenty one ounce gold bars done. Mm -hmm. You're selling it all at the same time. So that's what. That's the difference maker for, for registered accounts. Yeah, exactly. And similar to the diamonds where Guildhall removes the guesswork, uh, you know, what, is, what makes an investment grade stone? Guildhall only specializes in offering LBMA-approved product for that reason to ensure your experience in this market. We know this market. We have been experts in gold and silver registered plans since 2015. Buying and selling should be done quickly on a phone call. Your liquidity is key, is your experience, as well as re creating a reserve that is decoupling your wealth from all of the financial madness, from the currencies, from the government seizures, from potential blackouts and cyber attacks that Klaus Schwab is talking about now. We all have to be very cognizant of these moves. And when the world moves, we're moving into precious metals. Yeah, the trend is your friend. Um, you know, follow the smart money. It feels like gold and silver are going mainstream. We saw an article in um, CNBC a couple weeks ago. I saw an article in NPR <laughs> on NPR really? talking about right on. the you know the benefits of having physical gold at this point in time. So, Jerry, we're seeing a big tr a big trend change. And uh, before we started the show, we were also talking about um, the central bank moves and um, articles coming out about central banks owning gold and the Russian counterparts are saying the same thing as the American counterparts. Can you, can you tell our, the audience a little bit about that? 
So that is, that's regarding the golden ruble 3.0. So this is a, a paper that the Eurasian Economic Commission, Glaziev, wrote about in, in total tandem with Zoltan Pojar, the, the former IMF U.S. Department of Treasury, discussing things about um, how to fight against Western sanctions, how to continue to trade fairly and, tr you know, create better uh, payment platforms, you know, fixing the gold price to the currencies, fixing the gold price to two barrels for every one gram of gold. So genius, these guys are coming from two parts of the world, but, but speaking the same lingo. And the lingo is talking about moving away from the unipolar, moving towards multipolar, honoring sovereign currencies with gold and potentially silver by by metal currencies but this is all moving in the right direction away from any central bank digital fiat currency project this is freedom and i believe this is where we're headed very soon we're seeing it the, the money's moving towards it and uh, we are moving towards it at the same time and as the world moves towards that the rising tide lifts all ships so if everybody is moving towards this gold standard, it's in everybody's interest to raise the value of gold because it raises the purchasing power. And of course, it's not just random when we're talking about that. We already know gold is completely undervalued against all the currencies. Thank you very much for whoever is helping to keep it there because you've kept the window open for everybody to acquire it, central banks to acquire it, to help move this system back to the gold standard. I really believe it's coming, Jerry. Mm -hmm. And I and I also believe that revaluing gold is going to pay off debts. Revaluing gold is going to lift prosperity throughout the world. And I, I'm not, this isn't la-la talk. This is a very easy thing. Gold is incredibly undervalued right now. And if you were to revalue it back up, then you're going to see gold at 10000 at $20,000 an ounce if the, if the currency doesn't all but disappear. But that is certainly one way to get value back into the currency. And if that were to happen, then yes, silver could go to $700 an ounce. You know, one of the things that people don't understand is that if, if, if you're making three times more money than you did a, a decade ago, but everybody else is making three times as more money, that's, the, that's much more money chasing the, chasing the same amount of goods. You don't realize that you've lost money because, oh, I'm making more. No, you're not. It's more, but it buys you less. Loss of Gold power. protects that. Gold and silver protect that. You've got to get some in your portfolio. Start off with a little bit and grow from there. The number, one eight seven seven eight silver the website, guildhallwealth.com. I want to thank everyone for joining us today on The Real Money Show. Thanks for spending the time to listen to our rants and our thoughts on the precious metals. We're very excited, and we're very excited for our new clients, and we're very excited to speak to our new clients coming aboard and those who are interested. And we'll speak to you again next week here on The Real Money Show on AM640.